So I'll be reading from um, the whole chapter of uh, 3 John um, on, paragraph 1, 000, on page 1,230. The elder to my friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you're progressive, progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them, out, puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Thank you, Mark, for reading that. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much indeed. We're going to spend the next three weeks on that one page of the Bible. We're looking at four verses today. We're going to slow it right down, and we're going to think about the book of 3 John. It's a new series. We're calling it walking in the truth, thinking about what it means to have healthy Christian relationships. Uh, and um, I'm going to pray just as we begin. So if you're a praying person, why don't you join me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what we just heard from Rachel about her desire to walk in the truth. And we thank you that the Apostle John had no greater joy than to know that Christians we're walking in the truth. So we pray for Rachel, we pray for ourselves, Father God, that we would be learning how to walk in the truth. And that as we walk together in healthy Christian relationships, so we would know great joy in that. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, it's the um, time of year when kids go back to school. You might be aware of that. I think they've just gone back this last week, back on Monday. And that means the agonizing process, I don't know how you found it, uh, when you were at school, perhaps you remember this, the agonizing process of making friends. It's difficult, isn't it? You, you sort of try and get to know people in your class, you sort of try and work out who, um, who you might be able to get on with. Um, you, 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 you might not be able to get on with the really popular guys, uh, but maybe that, that there's some people in the class that you could be good friends with. It's an agonizing process. I read an article this week about how to teach kids about making friends. Uh, it was in the paper. This is what it says. 
Friendship is everything, and childhood is when we learn how to do it. That knowledge, the raft that carries us through life. As long as there are friends, all other difficulties and disappointments can be endured. Indeed, the ability to make friends improves a child's emotional development, their academic performance, their mental and physical health. An analysis by Julianne Holt-Lundstad, a professor of psychology and neuroscience, concluded that loneliness can be as harmful as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's extraordinary, isn't it? That is the importance of friendship. And as we talk to kids about their friendships, it might make us think about our friendships. Um, someone, a Christian, said to me this week, uh, just in conversation, I'm not sure my friendships are really working. It's difficult with my friends at the moment. Perhaps you feel like that. I felt like that too at various times in my life. And that's one of the reasons why we're going to spend a few weeks looking at the book of 3 John, what it means to walk together in the truth, what it means to have healthy Christian relationships. Uh, as um, part of our aims here at Trinity, we want to be rooted in grace. We want to have relationships of grace. We want to be reaching out with the gospel. We're thinking about those relationships of grace that's what we're going to be learning. And as often happens here at Trinity, we've got a question time after week three. So if you've got questions that you want to submit or, or pass on, then we'll be thinking about those in a couple of weeks' time if you're around. Friendship, healthy Christian relationships. How are you doing with that? Because you can see the true friendship in, in verse one of, of chapter three. Uh, of 3 John chapter 1. You can see the true friendship there. Can you see that the first verse, the elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. It's such a short book that the, the author doesn't name himself, but we know that the author is John. He often calls himself the elder. He's one of the most well-known apostles of Jesus. He was one of the disciples in Jesus' inner circle. By this stage in his life, he's been in ministry for what, 70 years? 70 years. But in, in personal relationship, he doesn't stand on his CV, on, on his credentials, on his past achievements. He's just the elder. He's a, he's a church leader. And he's writing to Gaius. We don't know who Gaius was, uh, one of the commonest names in the ancient world. But uh, unlike many books in the New Testament, this is written to one individual. This is written to one person. This is a personal relationship, one-to-one. And John is writing a letter to him. And, and you could quite justifiably say that there is love in this relationship. Um, in, in the original language, the word for love, that is Christian love, is used three times in the space of 11 words. Three times. To my, literally, to, to, to my beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And then verse 2 begins, literally, beloved one. Now, this is Christian love. In, in the ancient world, then, outsiders notice that love. Um, one historian wrote this, see how they love one another. That was what the pagans used to say, the people outside of the church in the first century, see how they love one another. That was their comment on the Christian church. Um, in, in, the, in the modern world, then, atheist philosophers have envied that love um, this is Bertrand Russell, an atheist philosopher. 
But he wrote, what the world needs is love, Christian love. He envied the love that Christians have in, in the Christian church. This is Christian love. In fact, um, in, in 3 John verse 1, it is even more emphatic. One translator puts it like this. The elder to Gaius, the beloved one, whom I, even I, love in the truth. Can you, can you see how he emphasizes the, the love relationship that these two friends share? It's a distinctive thing, Christian love. Jesus said as much in John's gospel, do you remember? He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the distinctive. And, and, and John, the apostle John, has taken that to heart. Have we? Have we? There's love in this friendship. And, but there is truth in this friendship as well. You can see the two working together. You see that at the end of verse 1, whom I love in the truth. And that doesn't just mean that John loves guys truly, sort of truthfully, although that is absolutely true. It means the truth. If, if you look down in verse 7, it says, talks about the name, the name of Jesus. It's the truth connected with the name, capital N, connected with the name of Jesus. So, whom I love in the truth means something like this. Um, whom I love in, in the context of the gospel, the, the, the good news about Jesus Christ, whom I love in, in the fellowship that we enjoy, Christian to Christian, in, 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 in the Son of God, in our status as fellow heirs of the grace of God, in the truth that God has shown us in his Son, in the truth about Jesus that saves us. That's the sort of love that Christians have. And, and the Apostle John is going to go on and say some quite serious things. Um, we'll see that next week in, in verse 10. There's someone who's spreading malicious nonsense. But, but John doesn't begin there. He starts by reaffirming his relationship with, with Gaius. He says, Gaius, um, you and me, our friendship is full of love and it's full of truth. In fact, true friendship really has to be full of both. has to be full of both. And that, and that means, as people here at Trinity, we will want to show love, one, one for another. Um, we'll want healthy relationships, but we'll also want to care about the truth. Um, it, it's so easy to think something like this. I don't know whether you've ever thought it. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have. Um, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it, um, Jeremy. Um, I'm a practical person. I'm not interested in the theory. I just care about the practice. Now, the fact is we do need to care about the truth for all kinds of reasons. We need to read, read the Bible for ourselves and we need to find out what's true, particularly with what's going on in the Church of England at the moment. We need to open our Bibles and work out what we believe. That is not something that we can duck as Christian people. So we need love and we need truth. I saw this photo the other day. You know all these photos that come up on the, on, on the internet. That, I mean, that looks a bit precarious to me. Um, I mean, it, all you actually need um, to get a truck across a river is two tree trunks. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, they just both need to hold. And, and, and then you're three. And, and for Christian friendships to move forward, they need truth and they need love. And you need those two things to hold. Love in the truth, says the Apostle John. And we want to be a church like that. That is our goal. That is our goal as people at Trinity Church Islington, to love each other in the truth. And, and our prayer is, it's, is that we become 
become a diverse church which reaches a diverse city like ours. Um, a, a, a common fellowship in the truth which builds bridges across races and ethnicities and income groups that, 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 it, that, that brings in people from the breadth of London, this fantastic city where we, where we live. And, and our prayer is that we'll have this kind of diversity that, that makes people say, what on earth holds these people together? And we say, do you know what it is? The truth, the gospel. We love each other in the truth. That's what it is. And, and someone might walk into our church, we pray and say, see how they love one another? That's what they notice about us. And atheists might walk in and say, what the world needs is love, Christian love. Perhaps they'll make that comment because they've discovered a church where there are loving friendships in every direction. That's what we want. Well, we're only a verse in, um, but we're learning about healthy Christian relationships, what they look like and how they function. And verse 2 gives us another strand that goes alongside the first one, not just, not just um, uh, uh, talking about um, true love, true friendship, but it's talking about true concern, true concern, verse 2. The two previous letters that John's written, we, we know them as 1 John and 2 John, have already been full of concern. Um, in 1 John, the apostle is concerned that certain people have left the church, and that's undermined the church's assurance. That's the book of 1 John. book of 2 John, he's concerned that there are people no longer teaching the truth, and the church has to separate from them. But in 3 John, um, the apostle expresses that concern in the context of a personal relationship and a personal friendship. Have a look down at verse 2. This is what it says. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you just as you are progressing spiritually. That's a great thing to wish for someone, isn't it? Don't you think? Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you just as you are progressing spiritually. Notice um, that, that John has an all-of-life concern for Gaius. It really does cover every aspect of his life. This is John's concern. This is his prayer. Please, Lord, can guys enjoy good health and can everything go well with him? Those that we love, we have a concern for, for every part of their lives. Literally, the idea is being led along a good path. That's, that's the idea, being guided well. Um, you know, as Christians, we don't believe in suffering for the sake of it. I think sometimes people think that that's what we, what we believe. It can sometimes come across that way, that, that Christians just enjoy being miserable. That's just the kind of people that they are. But that's not true. We do want things to go well with, e with, with each other's lives. I mean, we, we, we do warn each other sometimes that we're going to suffer. That is absolutely true. We'll suffer for being human in a world that's messed up. And we'll suffer for being a Christian. That will be part of our experience. But we genuinely want each other's lives to go well, don't we? And we will pray for that. And that's why in our small groups that meets in here on a Tuesday, you'd be very, very welcome to come and join a small group. We've got a, a big meal here on Tuesday. That's really the beginning of our small group year. In our small group, we, we share things that are on our minds. And we, and, and we want to... I want to share all of life's concerns. You know, if, if it's a worry for you, it, then, then it should be a worry for the church. We're going we're to pray into that. 
whatever it is, we're here to support each other in, in all of life. And um, I don't know, maybe there's something on your mind this afternoon. Um, if you wanted to, it might be good to pray for that. Maybe trust a, maybe tap a trusted friend on the shoulder or come and chat with one of the staff team uh, and ask them to pray with you. And you'll sometimes see that in, in church. If you haven't been here before, you sometimes see groups of people just sort of standing around praying for each other. That's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing to be praying for each other. It's an all-of-life concern. But John knows that the, the important thing, that the, the fundamental thing to get right is your spiritual health. That's, that's what he's saying in verse 2. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you just as you are progressing spiritually. You see, um, he's saying, I pray that Gaius' life will be led down a good path even as his soul is being led down a good path. That's the sort of idea. I mean, it's not saying, um, it's, it's not a prayer that our physical health would match our spiritual performance. And, and I'm very relieved about that. You know, I, that's a great relief to me. If our physical health was tied to our spiritual performance, then many of us would turn up to church with pneumonia and sort of limbs missing and the black death and, you know, what, what, whatever it is. A lot of us struggle in our Christian lives. It's okay to be honest about that. Now, I mean, as Christians, our souls are being led along a good path because of the cross where Jesus died, because of the name. Um, it's, it's well with our souls. That's the, that's the promise from the moment that we have faith, the size of our mustard seed. It's well with our souls. And, and, and we pray that if it's God's will, that it would go well with the rest of the rest of our life too. But it, but it may not. And when you know that it's well with your soul, that is enormously liberating, even if your life isn't going so well. I see you might know the, um, the story of Horatio Spafford. Um, I wouldn't agree with everything that he said. Later on in life, he said some things that probably weren't so helpful. But he got one big thing right. He was a lawyer in, um, in the 19th century, and he lost his son to scarlet fever and his business in the Great Fire of Chicago. And in 1873, he sent his family ahead to Europe while he sorted out all the after effects of the fire. And the ship they were in sank in the mid-Atlantic and all four of his daughters were killed. And as he went to join his wife, he realized, he spoke to the captain, he realized that the ship that he was in was over the exact spot where his daughters had been killed. And, and he wrote a hymn at that point and, and this is it's quite a famous hymn this is how it goes it's on the screen when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know it is well it is well with my soul and that's what the apostle John would have wanted and what we should want for one another too and, and, and for our children as they study for our friends as they climb the corporate ladder for it to be well with their souls. And, it, and it's not wrong, is it, to pray earnestly that the circumstances of life match the circumstances of people's souls. But John's deepest desire is that our souls should be getting on well, prospering under the gospel. That's the true concern of healthy Christian relationships. And that, and that brings great joy. That's the third point. And it comes from verses 3 and 4. Our third and final point is about true joy. True joy. 
Let me read out verses 3 and 4. This is what it says. The, the apostle, the elder, John, writing to Gaius, his loved friend, this is what he says. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy, he writes, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Is that not an extraordinary thing for an old man to write, don't you think? After 90 years of life experience, he must have tasted everything a human being can taste, which which could bring them joy. And yet, at the end of his life, he writes this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Um, John has joy in his children. I, I, I know that people um, love to talk about their children. I had a long email um, yesterday about one of my godchildren, all these all sort of obligatory photographs of him uh, as he goes to secondary school um, for the first time. I don't know whether you get emails like that. Um, but here John is talking about his spiritual children. That's what he means. So perhaps you remember how the book of 1 John ends, and if you've ever read that before. Single sentence, dear children, keep yourself from idols. That's how John talks about um, the Christians that he loves as, as, as his children. And at this point, um, John has some sort of oversight over a number of churches in Asia Minor, which is the sort of western third of what would now, nowadays be called Turkey. And um, verse 3, it looks like there are some people going backwards and forwards between him uh, and the church where Gaius is and, and giving reports. And someone has come back with news about Gaius, and they've spoken to John. Um, Gaius might be someone that um, John led to Christ, a little bit like those nurses at the Middlesex Hospital told Rachel all about the gospel for the first time. Maybe John's that person who shares the good news, the incredible sacrifice of Jesus with Gaius for the first time, and he turned and believed that it was true. Or, or it might be that um, the Gaius is just someone that he's training as, as his sort of adopted child in a spiritual sense. Uh, perhaps he lives in a town like Ephesus or Laodicea or Hierapolis or Colossae, somewhere like that, probably. I hope if you're a Christian, you have someone like that, um, someone that you're discipling. If, if you think you might be able to read the Bible with someone, then let me know. Whether you're, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? Whether you're single or you're married, you can have adoptive children in the Lord, and, and there's great joy in that, incredible joy. Um, John has joy in his children. But, but specifically, um, John has joy in those who persevere. See, pe people who keep going. Um, with his dear friend Gaius, what has John heard? That he has a reputation for faithfulness to the truth, for walking in truth. That's his, um, that's his phrase, which presupposes two things. Firstly, that Gaius knows the truth, and secondly, that Gaius lives in line with it. You see, um, his, his, his lips and his life match up. He, he, he's He's understood what God wants for him, and then he's taken the hard decisions in, in his life. And John cannot think of anything that gives him greater joy. Nothing. Um, just think for a second about the family that you grew up in. It always influences us, doesn't it? Uh, I grew up in a, a little family with my brother and sister down in West Sussex. Um, what did your family celebrate with the greatest enthusiasm, I wonder? 
Um, 18th birthdays, getting engaged, children, a job with a top five law firm, whatever it is, you know. What, what, what would be the occasion where your family really let out the balloons? What, what was it when, they, um, when, when their celebrations just sort of went all out? What, what was it that made your parents most proud of you, I wonder? It, it could be a whole variety of sort of achievements in your life. Many of them aren't wrong things. But John says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That topped it for him. Um, on um, James and Felicity's um, wall is a photo of all of their wedding guests. Was it the 9th of July 2011? Uh, 12 years ago. And, and uh, some of us would have been there on that date. And we're all sort of standing around here. Um, and we're all looking up to the photographer who was at the top of a very tall ladder um, just up there. And I, and I was looking at that the other day. It's a really wonderful photo, actually, uh, that you've got on your wall. There are so many people in that photo who were walking in the truth then and are still walking in the truth today. And that should make us celebrate. Perhaps you help out with the camp each year. And some, some of us go and, and help out with sort of teenagers and they, and they come on a summer camp. I know some people have just come back from that. And you don't really see people for 12 months. And then you come back together as a team and each member of the team is still walking in the truth. That, my friends, is a miracle. Celebrate it. A number of us have been off to different places. Liam and Simone, it's just fantastic to see you back in the UK after your time in Sardinia. Um, as people come back and join us here at Trinity, if they're still walking in the truth, celebrate it. Phone up a friend this week and tell them how much joy their perseverance has brought you. Would you be courageous enough to do that? Maybe Rachel, some of your friends from the middle sex. If they're still walking in the truth, phone up and tell them how much joy that gives you. Why not do that? Please don't, don't envy people who have money or style or ease of life or brains four times the size of yours or fast cars because the joy is right here, really. The joy is right here in Christians who are getting closer to heaven. That is healthy Christian relationship. Relationships full of love, full of spiritual progress, celebrating the miracle of perseverance, Christian friendship. It is never too late to learn how to have friends like that. Never too late. Loving, truthful friendships. Friendships we'll see next week. They not only bring joy, but protect the church against malicious nonsense. Do come back and find out more about that next week. But for the time being, we're going to stop and pray. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for the letter that... The Apostle John writes to you guys, thank you that it's um, full of true friendship, um, friendship in the truth, that um, there's love between these brothers. Um, thank you that there's true concern, um, one for the other. Um, thank you that there's true joy in a, in a Christian who perseveres. And so I pray, Father, that we would find joy in our Christian friends. I pray that they would find joy in us as we walk together closer and closer to the new creation. 
Please, Father, can uh, the relationships in, in this building be healthy Christian relationships? We ask, Father, that we would love each other with the love that you have shown to us. Love each other in the name, the name of Jesus, the truth about him. Help us find out that truth and then walk together in it. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.